Yeah, I have a bunch of words that, that I can share with us today, and, and we'll, we'll do so. But I, I think the message was just given, really just in that song right there. Because he lives, I can face whatever, anything. That's it, because he lives. Um, guys, thank you for singing that song. It's so good to sing about the love of God and, and who he is. And so we'll start things a little backwards today. Um, welcome to Church Project. You need to have a Bible. There's Bibles under your chairs. There's one over on the lamp behind you. You raise your hand if you need one, you want one. We're going to be looking through Luke 11, verse 37 is where we're starting today. But I'm going to start things a little backwards. Do you know who God is? I believe His Holy Spirit moves and guides in our lives. Whether you know Him or not, I believe that God is knocking on, your, on the door of your heart or just knocking, trying to get your attention. So how are you today? In a relationship with God. Do you know who he is? How is your life? Are you enjoying life? Is life hard? Is it easy? Is it all these things I'm saying? Is there purpose to your life? See, Jesus lives... And when we align our, our lives with Jesus and who he is, life has meaning, it has purpose. And that's why we gather. <laughs> that's why we gather as church project. Is to say it's not about us, but it's about who God is. Because he lives, we can live this life. So I'm going to ask you that question, and we're just going to start there. That's usually how we end, right? But I'm going to start there. And then we're just going to kind of work through these, these verses today. Um, these are some incredibly hard verses to work through. I've been reading. I've been studying them. We're walking through the book of Luke. Right now we're in Luke chapter 11, verse 37. We're going to cover all the way to verse 54 today. So we have a long ways to go. Um, but this is going to be like a casual talk fest. Is that okay? Who said yeah? Say it a lot louder, Kip. Come on, man. We're going to talk. And, and I'm okay with that. If you were to look at my notes, usually I have got two notes up here. They're really, they're pretty articulate. I know where I'm going. Don't deviate much from them. Today, though, we've got 16 notes, so you're going to be here for a while. I'm joking. But the notes today are more conversational. Because I believe that the, the, the text that we're going through today is going to drive home something that every single one of us needs to know. And I needed to know it this week more than anyone so let me read these, these verses. Follow along in your Bible, and then we'll begin to talk through these. Luke chapter 11, verse 37, starts and says this. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not wash before the meal. When the Lord said to him, or, or then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, Clean the, in, the outside of the, the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Verse 42. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all kinds of garden herbs. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without receiving the former or without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, 
because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing. Verse 45, one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you built, build their tombs. Because of this, God, is in his, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for all of it. Woe to you, experts of the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Wow. Did you guys follow along? I hope you're reading ahead and kind of, kind of getting familiar with the verses as we come up on them because just to jump into these verses right away is a pretty hard thing. These are a lot of verses that we talked about, but I believe God has something incredible to show us today. I want to ask us a very simple question. How many of us are, set, are wound up so tight in our life? Like we are just wound up tight. Here's another question. How many of us are so concerned about what others think about us? And anyone, anyone, don't raise your hand because then you'd be like, people are judging me and you're, okay. So how, how, how many of you are so concerned about what people think about you? I'm going to put this down. It's way too hot. When we first started Church Project, it was called Project Salt. And when we, and when we came down here, we were so excited to start Project Salt. We had three words and it was be, do, be. If you've been with us from the beginning, you've heard these words, be, do, be. And what was driving us was this, just the, those words of God has created us to be in relationship with him, to find our identity in him. Hello. And because we find our identity in him and he's, he's gifted us, he's, he's given us talents, then he says, Aaron or whomever, go love the world, go serve, go serve people. Do. And don't do just because I've asked you to, but do because of who you are. And then B, when you lay your head at the, at the end of the day, you lay your head down on your pillow, find, remember to always find your identity in who you are. So B, do, B. It's about the relationship. It's not about what our hands are doing. It's about the relationship and who we love. And it's a joy to serve God because who he's created us to be. So I want to start with that, and then I just want to ask us that question, uh, question again is, how many of us are, are wound up so tight and we're so concerned about what others think about us? That's me on so many levels. You know, you, you do something that you maybe, you know, wasn't exactly right. Here's a good example. How many of you like my bow tie? Peter, man, straight arm right away, huh? Okay. How many of you don't like my bow tie? Serious, Ray? <laughs> I would say I'm going to beat you up, but everyone knows that won't happen. So. It's still, you know, 
Still what? Say it. What? You don't like my bow tie? Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, Kip. The jury's still out. All right. Security. Security? No, why, why, this thing has gone down. Okay. <laughs> so last night when we had prom, I said, I'm going to wear a bow tie. I've never worn a bow tie before, except a clip-on one, and those, those are cheating ones. So I went to Kohl's. I bought this bow tie, and I, I watched YouTube videos, and Zoe and Audra and Lauren were all trying to figure out how to tie this bow tie. It was ridiculous. If you saw me last night, did anyone see me? And you were like, that's ugly, but you didn't say anything. Thank you, because it was ugly. It was not good. So I woke up early this morning not to work on the message, not to pray, <laughs> but to watch YouTubes and to figure out how to tie my bow tie, because I'm so concerned that you're going to be worried about me, because I don't know how to tie a bow tie, right? I'm joking. Well, not really, but kind of. <laughs> how many of us are so concerned about what other people think about us? even down to a stupid bow tie, right? We can get so concerned about so many things. And, and, and this is where I think Jesus, as we, as we land into this passage, he goes to this Pharisee's house in verse 37 because the Pharisee invites him. So he goes. Pharisees at, at this time, in, in ancient times, there, there were the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, the Pharisees. These are the people that, man, by the age of 12, they, they memorized the Pentateuch word for word, the first five books of the Bible. Ugh. You ever tried to do that? The first five books of the Bible by the time they were 12, and then they would move on to the next step. These were the professionals. They had so much zeal for Scripture. They knew it word for word. They were proud men. These were the kind of men that, if you, that as your parents, your parents, you'd be like, yeah, my, my son's a Pharisee. You know, it's like he's like top of the line. They've, they've got it. And so this Pharisee invites Jesus to the house, which isn't uncommon if we look at Scripture. It's not uncommon. And a lot of times when Pharisees invite Jesus into their home, what happens is they're trying to catch him in a trap because they're proud. Like they know the law of the, the, the letter of the law. They know it. And so a lot of times in Scripture, we see Pharisees inviting Jesus, Jesus to the house to trap him. And this is just, this is another one where it's again, the Pharisee invites him. Jesus comes in and, and right away the Pharisee was surprised. It says he was surprised because Jesus did not what? Wash his hands before the meal. Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? See, the Pharisee's trying to catch Jesus in, in, in something that, that he can, you know, I caught Jesus. He's a bad teacher, and he wants to build a name for himself. And so he's looking at this guy. He says, Jesus didn't even wash his hands, and he's so proud, which is pretty typical of the Pharisees at this time. If you look in John chapter 3, we have Nicodemus. And what does Nicodemus do? He's actually questioning Jesus. I think it's a sincere question. But he goes in the middle of the night when no one can see him going because he's that proud. Is, it, is that us too? We got everything together. This Pharisee had everything together. Nicodemus had everything together, but maybe not. So I'll go in the middle of the night and ask Jesus when no one's looking. So the Pharisee had everything together. and The Pharisees, they, they followed every law of the letter. In fact, they, they had something called the Mishnah. Anyone familiar with the Mishnah? Thousands of rules that go above and beyond what the law of the letter said. Thousands of rules that they had to follow. And they had to do it right because they had to be perfect people who followed. And so I think Pharisees, I, by the way, I'll just raise my hand and say, I think I would make a very good Pharisee at this time. Really. These people love God. 
They memorized the first five books of the Bible. They did everything above and beyond what God asked them to do. If God said, I want you to walk two miles, they made in their mission a new rules, new laws. We're going to walk four because God said to do two. Like They were always doing the best that they could and performing. Any of you performers? No? Okay, me, just me. Any of you are really concerned about what people think about you? Or is that just me? So we see Jesus here, and the Pharisee is, is surprised. Why is he surprised? Because Jesus didn't wash his hands? Well, I, I kind of get that. If it was just gross, he didn't wash his hands, I kind of get that too. I'd be like, Jesus, please, go wash your hands. The fist bump is the best thing ever invented. Because I've been in the men's bathroom, and I've watched how many actually wash their hands. That's gross, right? Yes, we're talking about this in church. That's gross. This isn't hygienic. Okay, this, is, this isn't hygienic here. This is, the Pharisee is saying, Jesus, you're not ritually cleaned, cleansed, whatever word I'm supposed to use. You're not ritually cleansed at this time. And so he starts to get all ruffled up. The Son of Man is sitting in this guy's house, and he starts to get all ruffled up because he's not ritually clean. Wow. Just think about that for a sec. He had the Son of God in his house, and he noticed what, and the Pharisee noticed what Jesus was doing wrong right away. I don't know about you, but in my life, I have made up my own Mishnah, and I've missed God multiple times. I've tried to act the part over and over again. I really, really care a lot about my bow tie and whether it's straight or not. And that's just so small. Like, I have created my own Mishnah. Have you? Have you missed God in life? Don't, sm- don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, and don't date girls who do, right? Or whatever, however that saying goes. Like, there's so many rules. There's so many things that we add to the Bible over and over again. Um, I remember uh, growing up, I was a huge Christian music lover, band lover, whatever you call it. I, I knew all the Christian bands. And I remember this one band I, I went to, to see, and I was so disappointed because they were at a place, downtown Denver, where they were actually serving alcohol. And I was like... I was just so torn because alcohol was the devil, like the devil, right? And, and I show up to, to listen to this band playing, and I couldn't even enjoy it. I couldn't get over the fact that they were at a place that was serving alcohol. And I'm like, that's ritually unclean. Like, why are you here where people need to hear the love of God and there's alcohol? That's not right. I've created my own Mishnah in my life in so many areas. And since we're on alcohol, this is, this is a good one for me. I, I grew up Baptist. Anyone grow up Baptist? Yeah, okay, we have some Baptist people in here. I, I've had a lot of rules and regulations that I've had to follow. And I'm not saying that these are bad. But one of them was drinking. You know, don't drink. It's just the devil again, right? Don't drink. And so I didn't. I, I didn't I, until 33. I, I didn't have a drink until I was 33. And this is usually what happens. And I can see this is how it happened with the Pharisees. It starts out beautiful. It starts out wanting to serve God and love God. And, you, and, and, and it starts out good. 
But then I found even in my life at the age of 20, 31, 32, 33, this thing that was set apart and pure in my life where I hadn't had alcohol at all turned into, you drink? Well, you're, you're a loser. You know, it's just like this pride thing that just came up because I could control that and I was better and I was a Pharisee and I was ritually clean and you weren't. And I had my mission of like, this made me more in love with God than you because you had like a vodka or something. You know what? Let's get off of that. But do you understand what I'm saying? And how many aspects of life have we done this? Have we built our own Mishnas? Well, we have, as a church, we've done it. As church at large. I'm not talking just, at, just individuals. I'm talking the church of large. We've done this as well. How many have ever walked into a church and because you weren't wearing a suit or something, you felt immediately judged or something? You know, hey, look on your chair, by the way. Or maybe you've already moved it or made a paper airplane or whatever. But there's a card and I put it white side up. That's hard to say. White side up. The little one. And what does it say? We want to change the way people see. Christ, Christians, and the church. Ask people. Wherever you go. If they have experience in church. I've found a lot of people. That don't go to church. It's because they were burnt in church. Some missional rule, something came up, and they were like, the outside of your cup's dirty. Go away. You're not wearing a suit. Don't come in here. Your bow tie's not straight. Don't come in here. Like so many rules that we as humans have put between the love of God and people to the point where people just kind of give up. Like, I can't keep that Mishnah. I can't keep all these rules. I can't keep all these regulations, so I'll just go away. What a shame, church, if we've ever done that. If someone walks in here and and they start judging because we have $15 chairs, then, sorry, it's not about the chairs. And by the way, the front two rows are $19 chairs, and they're way more comfortable. So if you're in the third row, I'd move up. It's not about the chairs. It's not about the colors. It's not about what we wear. It's not about the outside of the cup. It's about the inside. We can judge people so quick. And we can get so legal so quick. And we can think because we haven't had alcohol for 33 years that we're better than someone else. Shame on us. We see John the Baptist in the Bible, and he was known as one of the greatest men's born to women, one of the greatest men born to women. And where did he live? He lived in the wilderness. He ate wild stuff. He wore animal skins. He probably stunk. You probably see this guy coming into town and going, I'm out of here. Here comes that weirdo. And he's known as one of the greatest men in the Bible. Was he ritually cleaned? Did he care a whole lot about the outside? <laughs> I want us to get to verse 39 here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick these apart. Um, and my prayer is that God is starting to have you come alive right now. He's going to start building something in you. Because it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, what you will do. God loves you. And you'll see this as, as, as Jesus talks to these Pharisees. So in verse 39, he says, Then the Lord uh, said to him, now, now, now then you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. 
did not the one who made the outside make the inside too? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and, and everything will be clean for you. Then he goes into these woes. Woe for you for this in 42, and for this in 43, and for this in 44, because you're like unmarked graves in which people walk over without knowing it. And Jesus is looking. He's looking at this Pharisee who's kept every letter of the law to the T. The guy who has the tassels perfect, his phylacteries perfect with scriptures in them. And, and this is the guy that's followed every rule. He doesn't walk too far on the Sabbath because if you walk 13 steps on the Sabbath, that's working. But 12, you can do that. And so he only walks 12. You know, he's following all the rules. And, and Jesus looks at him and he says, it's what's the inside that matters. But you're like, yeah, but he gets in all these woes and starts rebuking him. If you look at the woes, the woes right here are more in the Greek of, of Jesus saying, warning, by the way, warning, caution, caution, not turn or burn. It's caution. I love you. And caution is what Jesus is saying here. And you can see him saying it with a love and a deep concern as he's looking at the Pharisee. He's saying caution right here. And at the same time, he speaks the truth. Church, I want to say that again. At the same time, Jesus speaks the truth. I want to remind us of a Bible verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 through 4. This is good. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. What did it say? Correct, rebuke, and encourage. It didn't just say, and we're falling into this a lot just as, as humans. It didn't just say encourage. It said correct, rebuke, and encourage. Jesus loves this person so much, the Pharisees so much, that he looks at him. And he says, it's time to correct some things in your life. Do you have friends in your life? Do you have people in your life that will tell you the truth? And not just tell you what you want to hear? Do you have these people? Darlene's pointing at somebody. I won't say, Jamie. Do you have people in your life that will speak truth to you? Or do you have people in your life that will let you go on America's Got Talent when you've got no talent? That person has no one that loves them. Jesus loves him so much that he corrects, he rebukes, and he encourages the Pharisee at this point. I guarantee this. You surrender control of your life. Jesus is going to do that. You invite Jesus into your life, and he will help you get past the fluff that's on the outside. He'll help you get past that, and he will help you get past trying to impress others with the rules and to make them think that, that you're better than them. He will help you get past all that stuff and get to the core of who you are. He's saying, it's with caution I tell you this. It's with caution. <laughs> do you know who God is? Or do you spend time with God? Do you find your identity in Him? Because it's in Him, when we find our identity in Him, that the world around us just kind of fades away. When we find our identity in who God is and as he encourages us and he speaks to us and we begin to form our life to be more like him, the things on the outside don't matter as much. The outside of the cup does not matter as much. He wants to work on the inside. Jesus wants to work on the heart. He wants to give you freedom. He wants you to find your identity in who you are through him. And it begins to change everything in your life. 
But yet oftentimes we look at people and we say, well, if you do this, then you can't be this. And we cut them off and we shut them down. Jesus goes through and he speaks the truth. He speaks it in love and he says, it's with caution. I tell you these things. But in essence, it's like this, Pharisee. You're following every rule, but it's like you're walking around dead. If you look at verse 42, it's like you're walking around dead. You've got everyone fooled. You've got your church fooled. You've got your friends fooled. You have your families fooled. You have everyone fooled because you look the part. But inside, we don't even talk. Inside, you're rotting. Inside, you're dying. But your outside looks really good, so good job. I want to get down to this next part because they kind of tie together. The first part's the Pharisee, the professional. He knows all the rules and all that stuff. And then we get to verse 45 and it makes me laugh so much. Verse 45 says this. One of the experts of the law answered him. So a different different sect, like a Pharisee, expert of the law. Okay, One of the experts of the law answered him and said, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And then verse 46, Jesus replied, And you... And I think the expert of the law at this point was like, no. Like, you ever said something you want to take it back immediately? He's like, why did I draw attention to us? Because Jesus just lit him up now. I could see this guy just going, why did I speak? Oh, why did I do that? The expert of the law speaks up and, and Jesus just starts going at him. But, but listen, this is why Jesus starts going at him. Can I read a part of this Mishnah we're talking about? The actual Mishnah? Can I, may I read a part of this? Because this is how legalism, this is how us following every rule all the time and only worried about the outside of the cup affects our lives. If we were to follow the Mishnah, uh, the, Jesus says, keep the Sabbath Holy. That sounds awesome. Let's do that. But how do we do that, God? What does that mean? And because we love God, we start asking, what does this mean? Okay, don't work on Sabbath. Keep it holy. Focus on God. Okay, well, what does work mean? Well, let's, let's draw some rules to say what work is. And so, like I said, maybe, God, I bought a cool piece of property. It's awesome. On Sabbath... Can I walk to the end of the property and just kind of dream about building a shed? Or is that kind of work? Okay, that might be working because I'm actually planning about, you know, drawing plans in my head. So maybe that's work. So God, can I just walk halfway to where I want to build the shed and kind of look at it? Or is that, are those too many steps? Is that considered work as well? You see, so... It's out of a love that the Pharisees draw this up and they want to know, like, how do I keep the Sabbath holy? But let me read part of this Mishnah to you, okay? Because we're trying to realize what work is. One who carries out anything in the light or in, or in the right or in the left hand or on his bosom or on his shoulder is culpable. As so was the manner of some other people. But one who carries out a thing on the back of his hand or with his foot or with his mouth or with his elbow or with his ear or with his hair or with his waist bag, the opening of which is at the bottom or between his belt or his shirt with the edge of his shirt or with the shoe or the sandal is not culpable because he carries it in an unusual manner. So 
if I'm following this and I'm a good Pharisee, work for me. I cannot pick up this paper like this because that would be work. But if I somehow figured out how to pick it up on the, with the back of my hand, then that's not work. Come on. I mean, I get it. It's out of love. I get it. It's out of love. And if I can carry things around with my foot or with my hair, then that's doable. But not with my hands because that's work. I get it. It's out of love. But we do the same thing in our own lives, don't we? No? Yes. We put so many things between God and ourselves. And these experts have loaded these people up with so many kinds of burdens that they can't even do it. It's coming between God and his people. It's out of a love, but it's gone out of control. It started out as good intentions, but then it just gets bad. What rules and laws have you been carrying around in life that are just some that you've created or some that your church has created or something that's just extra biblical stuff? Because we want to look the part on the outside. What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, what he's saying to the experts of the law, is that outside stuff is just not as important as what's on the inside. This inside stuff is what I come to speak life into. This inside stuff is the stuff I'm concerned about. I want your heart. I want you to know who I am. I've come to save you. I've come to redeem you. I've come to give you so much love. But you always turn it into actions that make yourself somehow feel better. Why do you do that? Church, why do we do this? Why have we built up our own missions? Why do we try to act the part when inside we're faking everyone? And I want to ask you at this point, are you? I've been really good at building missionaries in my life. Like I said, you know, not drinking until 33. I've been a good kid. God had to break me. God had to correct me. You know how he did it? And how he continues to do it? So when I spend time in his word, and I focus in on who he is, everything just gets a little clearer. So I'll just say this. If you're not spending time in his word, have fun creating your Mishnah because that's all you're doing. You're just, you're acting the part. Stop. I've also had to hang out with people who are far from him. (laughs) You know, the people that actually need God. I actually want to hang out with them. I know it sounds crazy, huh? It sounds ritualistically unclean, right? We need to be around people who need God. We need to spend time in his word. We need to find who we are in Christ. We're beginning as a church just to to figure out who we are in Christ and our spiritual giftings and how God has created us to be and to live and to work and to enjoy life. Example. Here's a great example. How many of you enjoy the songs that Jeremy writes? Thank God that he's walking in his spiritual giftings. Right? 
What would it look like if each and every one of us was doing that? We were more concerned about who God says than what you care about us. See, I've learned something in my life, especially as a pastor. I will make you mad. It just will happen. It'll be with the best intentions. I'll get up and give a message or I'll say something, but I'll make you mad and I will let you down. And it's not because I'm intending to. Well, sometimes it might be, but I will make you mad somehow. Even if I try not to, I'm still going to make you mad. So I learned a long time ago to give up really caring about what you think about me. (laughs) I need to find my identity in Christ. And I need to be the best Aaron Havens Christ follower that I can be. And then I will be just a little better pastor. And that goes to every single one of us. And everywhere that we go. Leave the extra stuff alone. And focus on your heart. If we focus on the heart and who God is. He begins to build us the way he wants us. He begins to change the things around us. I can think back in my life when I was truly trying to follow the law a whole lot. I I was pretty hypocritical in a lot of areas. I acted the part a lot. Is this landing on anyone's heart right now? Does this mean anything to anyone in here? I want to point out one other thing. And of course, I'm just skimming through this. But I think this is the whole central focus of this passage right here. Point out one other thing, verse 53, and we're going to wrap it up here in a second. When when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely. Okay, just because it's kind of cool to look things up in Greek now, I did it. Oppose him fiercely. It's the same as saying, hunting him like a beast. Hunting him like a beast. We have Jesus in the front who goes to the house of a Pharisee and the Pharisee starts to attack him and Jesus with concern and love says, woe, woe, woe to you and speaks truth because he loves him. Woe to you, woe to you. And then we have the experts of the law. Woe to you. And Jesus is saying, I love you. Woe to you. Change because this isn't good. This life that you're living of legalism and doing this, this isn't good. It's about the heart. And Jesus is pouring himself out to him. And as soon as he leaves in verse 53, we see the Pharisees and the experts of the law begin to hunt him like a beast. They would not accept the love of Jesus. Because they were so proud, they were so knowledgeable, and they were so steeped in traditionalism and ritualism. When Jesus speaks to us in our lives, we have two options. We can either bow a knee to him, or we can oppose him fiercely. How do you tend to respond to Jesus when he speaks to you in love? And even when he speaks to you with concern and says, woe to you. You're concerning more about the outside of the cup, Aaron. Focus more on the heart. No, Jesus, I got it. How do you respond when Jesus speaks to you? If you're alive in him, today, right now, in this very second, Jesus is speaking to you. His Holy Spirit is directing you. He's correcting you. He's encouraging you. He's speaking to you right now, unless you're thinking about other things. 
You have the opportunity to be taught in Christ, even in this moment, to be loved, to be encouraged, to be rebuked, even in this moment. So what's he speaking to you? There's no way I can go across and say this, 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 this. Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us personally right now in this moment. Are you listening? Or are you concerned about the outside more than the inside? See, when we see the love of God, we can't help to say, but you are God. You are right, and I am not. God, you are right, and I am not. God, you are holy, and I am not. And God, I need you so much. Some of us are wound up so tight, and we don't, we don't have a clue who we are. We put on a good show, but we don't have a clue who we are. Inside, we're kind of rotting away. When was the last time you spent time with your king? I mean it. This isn't to answer to me. This is for you to think. When was the last time you spent time with your king? I mean, open up the Bible and read it. It's, it's rich. When was the last time you fell on your face before him and prayed and talked to him? Saying, God, I want to align myself with you. If you have to think, it's been too long. You look good on the outside, but you kind of stink. And I can say that because I have to look at myself all the time. Reminds me of this to wrap, to wrap this up. Um, junior high dances. I, you know, we went to our prom last night and it was fun. Had a great time. I can't dance with anything, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> but I remember junior high dance. I really cared about dancing there. High school dance. I, I, I can think of most of my life I've really cared about dancing because I just didn't want to look like an idiot, right? Or I, I can't dance. And so I would go to the dances and I'd be like, oh, I'm too tired. You know, sit in the back or whatever. You know, create an excuse or maybe just go out there and be like, mm, you know. Oh, because why? I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to look like I don't know how to dance. And, and, I, and I think back of how many dances I missed. I think back of how many great moments that I missed. Just being free and being stupid and not caring about what you think about me, but experiencing life and in love with who God is. That's just metaphorical. That dance, by the way, if you're not, if you're not getting this, that's metaphorical. How many of us stand on the sideline and we don't dance? Because we're so worried about what people think about us. We want to look the part. We want to perform. We want to be ritually clean. But on the inside, we're dying. I'm going to leave it at this today. Wow, real encouraging, Aaron. Woo. Because this is the moment that I pray the most for. This moment. Because I've said words. But God's showing you something right now. He's teaching you something right now. He's saying something to you right now. How will you respond to Christ in this moment? I'm going to ask Carl, if you would, you can flip that light off. Jeremy, if you want to come up here. I'm going to ask us a couple questions, and it's the time for you to respond. If you would, just close your eyes. You can close your Bibles. If you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out. Just palm up. Do you know why I ask you to do the palms up like this? Try this next time. It's physiological. If someone starts attacking you verbally, 
I learned, I learned this on TED Talk, so it must be real. If someone starts attacking you verbally, if, if, if at all possible, just turn your hands up like this. It calms you down. Physiologically, it calms you down. It puts you in a, in, a, in a humble state. Instead of an aggressive state, it puts you in a humble state. It gives you clarity to respond. It calms you down. So I think, why not? Let's try this just as a church, just physiologically. Put your hands up. Just say, God, here I am in a humble state, in a submitted state. Oh, I'm a proud man. I'm a proud woman, but that hasn't worked so well. Here's my life. Here it is. God, I receive anything you want to show me in this moment. spend some time in quiet now reflecting on God saying God here I am God I'm open for you to show me anything Some of us, we're so wound, we're wound so tight. We're trying to cross every T, dot every I to look the part. And it's just a good show. Because right now, we just don't feel alive. If that's you, give that to God right now and just say, God, please, I give that to you. I want to come alive in you. I want to be fully alive in you, God. Spend some moment with him right now in that. going to ask us any other questions to reflect on today. I think God can show you some cool stuff. I am going to ask us if you would just stand. We're going to go through some more songs of worship. Just worship God. If that means you just standing there or sitting there and just silence, then great. Um, Jared is up here on the front right. He would love to pray with you if you you want to pray. Um, But this is a real moment between you and God. Some of you may fill out your uh, cards, just prayer requests, and you can put them in the offering basket over there. Or just sit in silence or raise your hand and sing praises to Him. But this is your moment to respond to God and who He is.